Welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast with me, your host, Eli Rubel, formerly Elias, but hey, names are hard. This is the show where we unpack and benchmark the methods and tactics used to reduce CAC by the most efficient and fastest growing companies in tech. Frequent listeners will know demand efficiency is a leading indicator and North Star metric for teams focused on reducing CAC. And in each episode, we'll evaluate how the best companies in the industry are driving down their cost to acquire while still achieving remarkable growth. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Demand Efficiency Podcast. Today, I am joined by Isaac Ware. He is the marketing leader over at User Gems. And we're focused on a specific part of the demand efficiency framework, all about messaging. Messaging is such an interesting problem space for a lot of companies because as a company goes from being seed stage to early stage to growth stage, their messaging evolves a ton. Their product's evolving, therefore their messaging is evolving. They're moving up market, down market, their segments are changing. And so each time one of these fundamental shifts occurs in the business, whether it be selling motion, segments, product, et cetera, the messaging obviously has to shift. And the level of messaging sophistication shifts over time wildly. One of the things that we've seen a lot at Mattermade is companies sometimes drag their feet a bit too long to make these messaging shifts or prioritize these messaging shifts. And it makes sense, right? There are a lot of other competing priorities out there in the business. And messaging doesn't always feel like this immediate pain. Sometimes it can feel like, oh, it's good enough, it's close enough. But really, when you see a business evolve their messaging, going from one level of sophistication and depth to another, and you see what happens to the conversion rates, and you see what happens to then their cost to acquire because their demand efficiency on the whole has improved along with a tighter messaging alignment, it's really night and day and really one of the more impactful things that you can do for your business. There are many different pieces of messaging that can be tweaked, many different projects within messaging that need to be tweaked. Things that we'll, you'll hear me talk about with Isaac are how they keep their messaging framework up to date by persona on their committee and the fact that they're messaging to their entire committee, not just their user champion or their economic buyer or the influencers of the deal or the people who can kill the deal, but actually all of those individuals with unique messaging and separate campaigns targeting each of them to drive influence so that when the time does come and all of those people come to the table to make a decision, they're already all familiar with the product familiar with the use case, and more importantly, familiar with the use case as it applies to their needs as an individual on that broader committee. Another big piece that Isaac and User Gems are doing really well, and a lot of companies will fall short on, is say you invest the effort into that first piece. You've built out your messaging matrix by persona to cater to the entire committee. A lot of the time, that document lives somewhere, and then it's quickly forgotten and under-leveraged and underutilized. And so the ability to take that personalized messaging and deploy it across all of your marketing surfaces 
all of your acquisition services, all of your retention services, the entire user journey. That takes work, but again, it pays off in dividends and measurable dividends when you can make sure that from very top of funnel through to landing page experience, through to onboarding and activation, messaging between marketing and sales, messaging around upsells, all of it is universal and continuous. That's an area for huge upside and something that Isaac and his team at User Gems are doing really well. Another piece that we touch on is how you get to your final messaging and what does final messaging even mean? A lot of the time teams will try to get to this place of complete air quotes or final. And this never really exists. And in fact, if you think about it in this way, you're fighting a losing battle and you're missing out on potential cost to acquire optimization and demand efficiency. Why is that? Well, Again, because things are constantly evolving, you need to have this mindset of messaging being this elastic piece of the business that you're always pressure testing. You're pressure testing it every time you launch a campaign, even though you have messaging that you believe is going to perform the best and it is your kind of approved messaging in the messaging matrix. Whenever you go to market, you should be testing at least three other messaging hypotheses along with your core messaging. Why is this? Well, again, the market's constantly changing. Product's constantly changing. You can pressure test future roadmap uh, with new messaging. And so in doing so, you're never wasting a go-to-market opportunity or a top-of-funnel opportunity to see what the market will yield as far as conversion rate around new and existing messaging. And by doing so, you're constantly evolving and you're constantly staying on top of what the most optimized messaging looks like, thereby making the most of your budgets. You're not wasting spend um, and you're constantly optimizing towards cost to acquire improvement. I can think of many examples where at Mattermade, we've come into you know, a, a fast growing company where you sit down with the executive team and the executive team feels very aligned on messaging. They feel very certain about messaging and they generally can tell you, you know, by persona, here's the message that makes sense. But a lot of the time, and this is kind of a, a bit of a challenging self-reflection for some teams, a lot of the time that messaging was derived from executive gut. It was arrived at in a subjective manner, not data-driven. And so I think one of the challenges we have as marketing leaders when working with a broader exec team, including your CEO, your CFO, your head of sales, and ultimately the board is really making sure that we take these subjective gut exec driven messaging hypotheses and we think of them as just that they are hypotheses they are not you know written in a stone tablet forever and more than likely they're wrong to some degree and it's not about right or wrong in like uh you know who had the final say who had the best guess it's really if we're going to put a dollar into a machine and we want that dollar to be as effective as possible. And we want to be able to capture a user for the smallest amount of capital possible. Then nobody needs to be right or wrong. And it's about how do we start with a hypothesis or better, a, a set of hypotheses, test them, and then use the data to objectively make the call. No executive in the room should make the call. The data should make the call. And that way you can very clearly say, you know, yes, this hypothesis was great. But this other one, or this derivative of this other one, 
performed X percentage better, and therefore we feel confident to move forward in that direction. And it also gives you directional signal. You might think that X, Y, and Z are true, but the market is yielding a slightly different truth, which then can not only inform a better conversion rate, better cost to acquire, but also can begin to inform things like roadmap. So messaging isn't just something that lives in marketing land or lives in an executive's gut. It really is this test-driven environment that should become baked into the DNA of a company if that company cares about optimizing cost to acquire and being as efficient as possible with demand. So with that, let's cut to the case today. As I mentioned, we have Isaac Ware, the marketing leader over at User Gems, who's going to talk us through how he has operationalized excellence in messaging, messaging frameworks, and all of the bits that I just discussed over at User Gems. Let's talk about messaging, because this is a thing that a lot of companies, I think, take for granted and don't necessarily give enough time and thought, or when they do, it comes more subjectively as opposed to objectively. And within the demand efficiency framework, messaging frameworks, you know, universally leveraging messaging across all acquisition services and messaging to the entire buying committee with unique copy is something that you scored very, very highly on at user gem. So talk me through how you've chosen to prioritize messaging and, and your approach. Yeah, definitely. So I think messaging, I mean, we're still early startups, so a lot of it's been rapidly evolving early on. We were almost accidentally positioning ourselves as just a tool in the stack while our customers were using us as an entire platform across all personas. Um, we kind of narrowed ourselves into just being sales or just marketing, splitting up our products into, into separate things when in reality they were being used by all personas across the board in just very different ways with the same functionality. One of the things that we've been really focusing on is telling the story of the platform across all buyer personas. Our buying committees are, we're getting close to about five personas in the buying committees now. So it gets a little complex, but at the same time, it really allows us to tell a story, pull a lot of people in, and a lot of people get a lot of value, which I think coming in with the market conditions are like right now is really important for saying sticky. I think if you're just a tool that's solving one problem, and you're not integrated all the way through, you're going to be an easy cut out of the stack. But when you're a, a kind of a need-to-have platform across the company, um, it's really important. So that's what we've been focused on is kind of telling that story. So kind of moving from, yes, user gems tracks your job changers or your key contacts as they move jobs and we help you automatically multi-thread, but telling the story around that is a lot more important. So for us, that story is you have these key contacts. Whenever they leave your account, you want to notify your CSMs. These CSMs need to know for churn prevention. So you notify the CSMs that they left the account. Now, AEs need to know where those people are going. We're tracking them as they move jobs. We update that in your CRM. It helps push them into automated campaigns so they can sell to them again. At the same time, marketing is using that data for targeting for job change campaigns. or We're using that for multi-thread campaigns. So as soon as that open op starts at that new company where that person just moved to, we're pulling in all those buying committee too. So for marketing, that's amazing for us. We don't have to rely on LinkedIn. We're automatically updating those audiences on LinkedIn. So um, say you just started op with marketing. Now we're letting RevOps know, hey, your team's talking with us about X. Hey, sales, your team's talking about us with this. 
CSMs. And then one of the interesting ones too that we're running is like with CFOs. CFOs are massive blockers. So we're multi-threading them without letting them know that we're talking with your team. We're just kind of social proofing, staying in front of them. So we're a familiar name to them. So across the entire journey from somebody leaving a job, starting a new job, we're involved in that whole process. So kind of telling that story around that instead of just, hey, we do X. Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements. When design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, Also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out as 2,500 a month, uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out. Noboringdesign.com. Noboringdesign.com. Help me understand the evolution. You know, a lot of companies will start off in the early stages and, their messaging matrix will be largely driven by executive gut. You know, the execs have talked to a lot of people, so they put down, you know, here's our best guess for messaging by persona. At what point did you transition your approach to be more data-driven? It happened slowly over time. I think we always had that in mind of like, we need to be interviewing users, we need to be doing X, Y, Z. I think because of small teams and bandwidth, I don't think that happens for a while. That was part of the process for me even to joining about a year ago from now was hopping in. Everybody kind of has a preconceived notion of this is how we explain the product. But when new people start coming into the company, you start realizing, okay, well, this isn't as clear as we thought it was. We've just been seeing it every single day. So I think that's one of those kind of kicks off the whole process of once employees joining don't fully grasp it or see a lot of value that we aren't explaining. That's kind of a good starting point for diving into that messaging. So stage-wise, where were you when that shift was made? Ooh, uh, what do you mean stage-wise? Like number of people ah. or revenue, whatever you can share. Yeah, definitely. So that started right around, so I was employee number 15. Um, bits of that had happened before I joined. And even six months in, we were still working on on really defining that. I think to fresh eyes can be a huge value in saying, hey, there's something not quite right here, but fresh eyes don't have the experience talking with customers. They haven't been watching gong sales calls all the time. Um, So I think it's good for identifying there's an issue with messaging, but not um, identifying exactly how to go about that. So a lot of that too with us was talking to customers, listening to how customers are using us, especially when you don't necessarily fit your own ICP. So we use our own product, but we're smaller than our typical customer. Um, so kind of watching how all of our customers are using the product and using that to adapt to the messaging was huge. And then do you have a cadence for pressure testing the evolution of the messaging? Meaning a lot of companies will go through some sort of process, set their messaging, especially if it's a whole committee, you know, it's kind of cumbersome to go through that process in the first place. And then they'll set it and forget it for a while until either new leadership comes in or, you know, they get to a point of maturity where they develop cadences to continually evolve what they have in market and make tweaks based on conversion rates that they're seeing and that sort of thing. So where are you at with that 
And do you have a cadence? How do you run that part of the process? Yeah, so we don't necessarily have like a like a set cadence of this is when we're going to update everything like that. It's just happened to fall into about a quarterly cadence of we're recognizing something's a little bit different. We just got done with the messaging overhaul on the site about every quarter that's happening. Paid media is happening sometimes a little bit more often just because we're able to. We're not a super, super high spend company. Um, so we don't have just massive amounts of traffic coming in. So it's tougher to do some of that testing on the website. But a lot of the paid media testing that's been happening quarterly or a little bit more often. And then are there any, this is one I always love to ask, which is, have there ever been any moments where you had messaging in market that you thought was right and then whether it's through campaigns, which is the results in conversion, showed you a different different path, different type of messaging that you weren't expecting to convert, and it ended up being much better than, than the original assumption or hypothesis? Yeah, I would say I'll go with one of the ones that didn't work as well as we wanted it to, but made sense in hindsight. So one of our shifts for our kind of our content messaging was towards pipeline anxiety. Pipeline anxiety is has been awesome messaging just because a lot of people relate to it. Um, it applies to all of our personas in some way. But when we went to the performance side of like paid media on LinkedIn, just did not perform well. Wasn't clear enough, didn't exactly say what we were solving, anything like that. And that was one where we, so we were getting like a 0.3, 0.4 click-through rate on ads like that. We shifted it over to just being as clear as possible what we do. So automated job change tracking and multi-threading on autopilot. And we saw a spike in click-through rates to about four point something percent. So just a massive uptick in click-through rate there. So again, one thing that we saw work on the content side didn't work on the paid side, but we're able to resolve that on the flip side. One of the questions in the framework is about taking this messaging matrix by persona, by committee, and having it cross all of your various marketing surfaces, which is, you know, sometimes companies will go through the process of making the messaging matrix, but then fall short on actually implementing it and making sure that, you know, the ads and the landing pages and the internal user journey, all of it is aligned. Where have you found that to be the most challenging? And then what systems have you put in place internally to make sure that you have successfully been able to keep all of those aligned to messaging? I think one of the toughest places that actually occurred was sales marketing alignment, as always. One of the main things though was because we have two pieces of our product one of them is job change tracking. One of them is the multi-threading on autopilot and all the use cases in between across all the personas. One of the things, especially with early sales messaging, really heavily focused on the job change tracking because it was so easy to communicate. Um, so it clicked really well, clicked really early in sales calls, but then it made it a lot more difficult to get people away from. A lot of people were kind of seeing us as, hey, we're just doing this. And then as soon as you introduce all of the other pieces of the product, they were so hyper-focused on that. It was really tough to get them over to the other pieces. Marketing was a little bit easier because we weren't interacting like one-on-one with people. We were sending out messaging, so we were able to serve a lot of that stuff a little bit more easy. I think one of the biggest, I guess, if you want to call it pieces of that was actually sales enablement person. Braxton on our team, we brought him in and has done an amazing job of building out the talk tracks, um, all the material, the guru cards for sales calls around all those talk tracks. Um, and it's just kind of line up marketing and sales on that side of things. Amazing. And then a little bit of rapid fire here, zooming out away from just messaging positioning alone. What are three pieces of technology that you feel are 
like absolutely essential to your personal stack within the the marketing org? This one's actually really interesting for our company. We've we were obviously younger, so we're fairly lean. A lot of the places where other companies are using intent or they're using a demand base or a metadata or anything like that, we've tried to do it as lean as possible with our own tool. So we don't run a six cents, we don't run a demand base, any of those. We're using user gems. All of my top of funnel contact information is from our own product, um, straight out of the CRM into there. The biggest things for us are, are using things like lean data for efficiency in terms of routing, the simple things like using Webflow so we can make really quick adjustments to the website, build out quick landing pages, and then kind of more bootstrapping type things like Zapier. Just so, I mean, as a small team, um, we're able to quickly make changes to things. But in terms of like actual demand stack, really light. I mean, we're, we're really heavy on user gems and LinkedIn. LinkedIn ads is, is a heavy one for us. So let's talk about Isaac's motion. The motion here, user gems is a sales-led organization. However, would anything that we talked about around messaging, messaging framework, messaging testing, would any of that be different if they were a product-led organization, sales assist organization? The answer is no. Messaging is universal. Testing and being hypothesis-driven is always beneficial. And whether you are sales-led, product-led, sales assist, nothing really changes here. You should continuously be testing. If we were to think through some differences, however, I'd say that the surfaces where you are deploying your messaging and the surfaces where you can test your messaging certainly do change between a product-led motion and a sales-led motion. You know, in a product-led motion, you can test messaging in the trial experience. You can test messaging in the onboarding experience more readily than you can in the sales-led motion, or at least more upfront. The results can be more immediate. They can be, you know, you have a larger, likely have a much larger test pool that you can play with of various segments, whereas sales-led, they're going to go through a bunch of uh, handoffs first, demo, et cetera, SDR, sales rep before they likely get into your product. And so the moments at which you can test messaging will be slightly different. The surfaces will be slightly different. But again, the frameworks will largely be the same. Again, just the different surfaces. So the recap. If you are not systematically testing all of your messaging across all of your surfaces, if you are letting execs gut drive your messaging as opposed to data, if you are not refreshing your messaging and constantly stress testing various hypotheses across various channels. If you don't have messaging that's dedicated for each person on the buying committee, then there is low hanging fruit. And by low hanging fruit, I mean money being left on the table. You're essentially inflating your costs to acquire by ignoring this essential piece of demand efficiency and the demand efficiency framework. So if any of this resonates with you, or if you feel like bits of this you haven't tackled yet, hopefully there are some actionable tidbits in here that you can really think through and ask yourself and your team, what tests and what programs can we roll out tomorrow to get our messaging into a more sophisticated state? All right, until next time, thanks for listening. 
As always, if you're interested to see how today's company scored on the Demand Efficiency Index, or for that matter, to see all of the companies in the Demand Efficiency Index, by industry, selling motion, and size, you can join our free Slack community. Uh, there you will be able to interact with every guest who's been on the show and even take the evaluation yourself and see how your company stacks up against prior guests. To join the Slack community, head over to mattermade.co forward slash pod, where you'll see all of the relevant links to join. Again, that's mattermade.co forward slash pod. Thank you.